Hi, I'm Julia Bruggen. This is about We Are Women, a podcast exploring female and new aspects on the topic of VR. Hi, Julia. I'm happy to have you here in this podcast, in this first episode. Hello. What um, inspires you to launch this podcast? An approach to the medium of VR, maybe a little bit more from a female perspective, um, to figure out um, is there maybe a difference in approaching the creation of content for the medium, but also in approaching how to create that content. Um, I do believe sincerely that there is a difference on how to approach certain content, creation, production uh, parts. And I would really like to hear more from other people. And this is not something that is bound to the gender. Um, I would love also to talk to men about this if they do have the different slash female approach. That's kind of what I'm aiming for. So the project is called VR Women, right? So what is the connection, in your opinion, between VR and women? So I think um, I have to start with myself there. <laughs> I am a woman and I am a VR creator. And um, there is something about the medium that uh, caught me immediately when I had the first time the moment of experiencing it. And that is um, that it's a 360 degree medium. So I have to really um, take a look around. Um, that's the first difference. And I, as the creator, I have to put the experiencer in the middle of this 360 degree room. And I cannot, um, so to speak, tell that person where to look. The person looks where they want to look. And for me, that's a very female approach. I don't know um, how to explain that right now with clear words. But I do believe um, women tend to let you be more who you are. And we're not trained to uh, have certain perspectives. I mean, this could also be like our social background or, you know, the... Um, environment that we're living in, the society that tells us things. So I do believe that this medium can very much um, be able to show a lot more how I feel inside as a woman and how I want to be the world seen. I do not need like, for example, in film where you have, you always have um, a picture and you show what happens in this picture and it has a frame. Um, and I think we women tend to always look behind or around. Um, so this is why I do believe the medium um, is very much well connected to a female world. Can you explain your way, um, because you mentioned cinema as well, how did you get to VR? Um, well, I guess I had a quite a classical career, so to speak. Um, I went to film school in Berlin and uh, went through all the Uh, parts of how to produce a film, how to write for it, how to create a frame for it. And I never really felt comfortable. It always had this notion of um, bringing people into a situation where I force them to, to look at something. And the second part during my studies that I figured out was... Um, I mean, if we look at female representation in, in the media or in cinema in general, it's getting better, but we're still not there where it could be. Um, the way of telling a story in a very linear way um, is from other films that I've seen. I actually have to admit I've seen very little 
uh, female directed films where I got inspired or saw, okay, we don't have to have this linearity. We don't have to always explain each and uh, each character by a kind of psychological means. Just let them be, let them breathe. Um, so I was thinking a long time about this and then I've actually crossed virtual reality and it was like a revelation for me. I was standing there and was like, wow, this is it actually. This is how you can uh, create more um, like dream-wise based, like we dream, you know, we, we do not dream linear, linear and um, <clears throat> like in our dreams, things are not explained. They're weird, but they're very visual. Um, and so this is what uh, kind of made me think maybe that's the best connection that I can do with where I come from with this new medium. You mentioned that there is a difference um, in creating a VR story to create a film. Um, how is it for the, the, the user or the experiencer? What is the difference between watching a film, consuming a film and experiencing a VR experience? And how can this help understand a feminine perspective better so when the normally you know the um, the viewer goes into the cinema or watches the screen um, that means they're quite passive they're sitting somewhere and whatever they're seeing is something that has been manufactured on a linear basis um, it goes from the beginning to the end um, and uh, they don't have many possibilities to be active This is the difference in VR. Um, all of a sudden, um, they have to look around. Maybe they have to walk uh, in the future, probably also talk so that, you know, there's reactions from everything happening around them. Um, so they need a, a lot more responsibility while they are in an experience. And I think this is the connection to a female world, the... The, yeah, actually, actually the responsibility. Um, you have to be more active. You have to be out there. Um, you have to take responsibility for who you are and what you do. And I know maybe this is a stretch, but as female beings, you know, they get pregnant, they get the babies. There is like a little bit of higher, um, how shall I say this, a higher need for responsibility from a female perspective. And for me in this medium, uh, we can actually make everyone aware of that. And it's not about your gender anymore because it's you being in that experience, uh, realizing that you are in it and also realizing that however you move or wherever you look will have some kind of consequence for what's going on uh, around you. So you're bound to be more active. If you take a look at the VR history, yeah, um, I think it's it started a lot with, with two sides that are not very feminine, I would say, and that is one, the military, and second, the porn industry. And also the um, games that we can experience nowadays, I would say, are mostly games made for male um, audience or experiences like as uh, shooting games or like kind of action stuff. Why is that? Um, well, I would add, um, uh, besides military and porn, I would add the science uh, part of it. Um, so I think in the beginning, if we look go back to the 50s or 60s, um, is a lot of money involved. Uh, it's not like today where you have like 
a device that you put on your head that costs 400 euros and you can have it at home. No, it was like millions of dollars that something like this had cost so that you actually can experience it. And as we know, the military gets a lot of money. <laughs> so um, they, you know, had the possibilities, first of all. And second of all, it's a very psychological medium. And because of this 360 degree angle that you have with it, <clears throat> um, and so the military, of course, tried together with researchers to figure out stuff for their soldiers, how to act or react in certain moments. Um, and the same goes for the porn industry. They do have the money and they know if they can come up with a good idea that, um, yeah, there might be a lot of money in for them. Um, and when we're talking about the gaming industry, what they're doing right now is they're trying to put the uh, flat gaming industry basically into, into the 360 degree world. That works up till a moment, I do believe, where it's just going to get boring. Um, but maybe not. Maybe there are like wonderful uh, people out there who love gaming and shooting and they will go for it. But, um, and this is also the part where I come in or where something like VR for women comes in, um, the medium gives so much other possibilities, but we have to explore them. We have to be open to do that. We do need the money and the means for it also. But in the end, as they say, you know, everything kind of starts with an idea or a vision. And I would just love for other people to open up their minds, to be um, creative with this medium and to not think for a moment because there is no um, industry yet. So this is the great advantage that we're having. It's a little bit like in the beginning of film. Um, there wasn't an industry. So if you look at the very old films, there was also no linearity like we know it now. Uh, you know, um, audio was not synchronized with the picture yet. So it was a lot more avant-gardistic. Um, there was a lot more potential, basically, in the medium. But after they figured out a certain way of dealing with it on an industry-based uh, situation, we actually kind of narrowed the possibilities down for film. And I really hope that that is not happening with virtual reality. And um, so if we now understand where we are in the beginning for this medium and what we can do now, I think um, it's actually possible to, uh, sounds a bit weird, but do something good with it. Of course, it costs money. And of course, we also need to keep that in mind. But just to try and figure out means to make money of it would not do this medium any kind of justice. You published an article in the Swiss Medium where you put a link between VR and matriarchal structures. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that? What is that link? Of course. Um, I think that also is kind of connected to the, the female world or the female perspective. Um, so just shortly, uh, as it is always a misunderstanding when, when I'm talking about matriarchal structures, I just wanted to say matriarchal does not mean patriarchal, only with women on top. It means a very different set um, of rules within a society. It basically has um, very low hierarchies. Um, it's a lot more about exchange, listening to each one that is part of a certain society and also family-wise. For example, um, it's important that um, the female lead of a clan or a family always has the house so that the offspring will always be secure, um, even if for whatever reasons the relationships between the men and the women don't work out. 
Um, so that's super important to to understand in the beginning. And um, I I was um, part of a, a documentary production where we actually went to uh, Mexico to Huchitan, and um, I uh, I met women there who are part of such a matriarchal society. And that had a huge impact on me, just in general, you know, walking around in this city thinking, oh, um, you know, here um, kind of it works different for you as a woman. And it empowered me totally. So um, we produced the film. And then I actually got in contact with the medium of VR. And then I realized that the rules that apply for matriarchal societies are actually very fitting for the rules, in quotations, um, for virtual reality, because there is no hierarchy in the way that we have it presented, for example, in cinema, where I get something in front of me made by somebody else, and I see whatever that person puts in front of me. Um, in the VR situation, I have 360 degrees, so where is the hierarchy? <laughs> it, it's not there. I, I make the decision where to look. Um, and uh, so... Th that was kind of the core for me to say, oh, maybe I can apply the topic of matriarchy to the medium of virtual reality. And I know this is like a very theoretical approach for the moment, but I do believe at the core there is something true about it. And I would really like um, for this to be a little bit more talked about or discussed because I might be wrong and I, I'm wonderful and happy to um, to be proven wrong. Um, but on the other hand, I would also love people to be a little bit more open because isn't it interesting that now in these times of, well, pandemics, wars, wherever we are, we're realizing that our social um, social way of dealing with things, political way of dealing with things, it's kind of, it's going towards a dead end. So why couldn't there be um, a different kind of approach, let's say more of a matriarchal one, in combination with a new medium coming out? And I think that's a very fascinating part. So you just mentioned that um, this led you to a VR project that you created. Um, what project is this exactly? Um, so the project is called The Matriarchs. Um, it's an approach basically for um, an experiencer to, um, to understand what I just explained, that matriarchal structures work differently, without actually telling them, you know, oh, this is how it goes, like, you know, you could do in a film, but rather have them being part of a little bit of a mystical, magical um, a kind of experience where they have to observe for themselves, they have to take part um, within this matriarchal world. And um, they, after they left the experience, hopefully will kind of stand there and say, oh, this was kind of different. Why was it different? Oh, what's matriarchal, you know, and kind of step by step also dive deeper into the topic by themselves, because I do believe that's the only thing that can change anything then, um, rather than just giving information, making them feel something, giving them an experience where they're part of it, and then coming out of it and saying, ah, Uh, maybe that's uh, a very interesting approach and maybe I should go a little bit deeper into what I've just experienced. And how was it to create such a project? How did you apply for funding? How easy or difficult was it? Yeah, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I think that was good <laughs> because if I'd known back then what I know now, <laughs> I'm not sure if I would have gone down the road. Um, 
But in a nutshell, what happened is this was more or less the last project um, that I uh, did as a, as a student um, at the German um, film school in Berlin. Um, and there was a special fund for students um, called Digitale, and they wanted um, uh, to encourage students um, to go into different directions, not only cinema or film. And it was about that time that I came across virtual reality. And I basically, I just had like a five pager um, and I sent it in for the funding and they were very interested in it. So we got a little bit amount of money under, yeah, terms of a student project. Um, and I found a programmer who would help me with it. Um, as I'm part of a animation studio, I had some access to designers and um, 3D, uh, 3D creators. Um, so we basically build a prototype for it. And then after that prototype was finished, I was like, okay, let's go further. <laughs> let's not stop here. Um, and so um, I was quite lucky because there was a Canadian studio, Arcana Studios. Um, they found me on the Canadian funding page because I had just uh, put up our studio, our animation studio there. We got in connection. I told them about the project. They were super interested. And um, that was basically the lucky part. The Canadian uh, German funders, um, they had a special fund for Canadian German productions, VR productions. So we applied and yeah, we were super lucky. We got the fund. And basically now we're in the final stages um, of the production of the project. Uh, yeah, and I'm... I'm I'm very excited about it. Of course, I'm also anxious. <laughs> um, and I cannot tell you yet how it's going to be in the end, but I think this is part of going down this road of um, doing a production for virtual reality because I started completely somewhere else where I ended up now. And it's still, um, it's still actually for me uh, an overall learning process. So, so you mentioned the, the German fund uh, Digital. Is there also, um, on a larger international scale, a, a raise in funds that are being created for VR projects? Uh, yes. Um, so in Germany, I might be mistaken, but as I know so far, it's Berlin and Munich. They're putting a lot more money into this medium as um, Venice is the first festival, for example. They have like a category of itself just for VR projects. Um, in general, worldwide, the, the business of VR is, is uh, kind of uh, on the rising ladder. Um, and I think also the pandemic kind of helped a little bit with this as we had huge troubles with actually shooting because virtual reality is uh, produced mostly in the computer. So you, you didn't have the restraints that you had when, when you had to shoot a film. Um, and I and I do believe, and this is also why I'm trying to get um, VR women going, is that um, uh, it's more and more within the minds of the people. We're not definitely not there yet that everybody has a virtual reality glasses at home and does it, but it's more and more in the minds of them. They're very curious about it. Um, and I believe the funders, um, and this is the great thing about basically funding, If there is not yet a real business line there, then you can really use the money for uh, creating content that might not be able that we create in five years or in 10 years from now because the business is already there and, you know, they have a certain 
way of looking at the medium. So right now is the time for everybody, for the pioneers basically to go out there and just try stuff. Um, and um, the... I think I'm not. Um, I, I guess I have a little too too little knowledge to talk about European um, a European funding system, but in Canada there is definitely um, a huge need and want for um, projects to be started, be created, something that's out of the normal, if you so to say, want to say it, normal way of, of dealing with the situation, um, and that's been very. I've been very lucky just, you know, to be at the right time in the right moment, basically. If we take cinema as an example, um, which becomes a more and more democratical medium in the way that we all have an iPhone in our pocket and also a cheap editing system that we can download on our for our laptop, everyone could make a film right now. And I think it's a bit... Um, not as transparent as for cinema, how can we create a VR experience? Me as a person who has the idea for something, um, can you explain us or give us an insight in what people I need to create a, um, a VR experience and also the infrastructure um, needed? Um, I, I think you could compare it um, to, let's say, an animation film. Um What you what what is new now with the medium is you need programmers. You need a program like Unity where you can um, basically uh, put the pieces together. Like Unity could be a little bit like your editing program, or you could look at it like your editing program. Um, and then you you either um, you can film real life action and put it in there. You could animate and put it in there. Um, this is um, why it's so interesting because you you can combine it with so many different other mediums. Um, you do need the hardware. It's quite um, like data intense at the moment um, uh, to deal with virtual reality. I'm pretty sure this will also um, change in the future. Um, and what you also need is you need um, uh, some kind of um, vision for um, the the VR gear that you're using because it's right now it's very different. Um, Uh, VR gear producers out there. Um, the glasses are different. Um, the, the controllers are different. And all of this together with whatever your idea is, um, you need to put that into your thoughts while you're creating it. And of course, you do need a person that has some kind of a vision for it. Um, and the question also is, um, do I approach it more as an experience or, for example, the genre of gaming or, for example, the genre of porn? Or, you know, there's like different ways of approaching it. And um, depending on what direction I want to go into, uh, I need to architect it in the mind first and kind of have it really uh, in the head in order to get it out there and to talk to the people because um, many... Um, creators are trying to get into the field of virtual reality and of course it's it's more of a trial and error thing at the moment you need to have patience a lot of patience <laughs> if we look uh, at the future um, what is the the chance of vr and do you think it will become a mass media mm, that's an interesting question um Mass media, um, it's, it might sound paradoxical what I'm saying now, but I think it's not possible to 
get VR into a mass media like we know it, for example, put hundreds or thousands of people into a cinema room and have them watch this one film. Because per se, everybody who will watch your experience will see a different kind of experience. So it's very much focused more or less on an individual. If you're asking me if it's possible that every household in the future might have a virtual reality gear at home, Yes, that's definitely possible. But the question is, will everybody use it? And how will they use it? And what will interest them? And this is the point where the mass media situation cannot come in like with cinema, because, you know, you, you have the little boy, you have the father, you have the mother. They're all interested in different kinds of dealing um, with the medium or in the medium, in an experience. Um, so we need to be aware of this and we need to really focus more on the content, on, on the content creation. Um, and maybe there is ways, you know, in the future where you do have um, a virtual reality experience. Like now it's, it's, it is more or less produced like film because things that happen have to be thought of beforehand so that you can create them. What if uh, you could create an algorithm in the future where life, something is happening in your VR world that has not been thought of before by a human? For example, I'm just throwing it out there. So um, this means we have to think about how can content be created and what kind of effects does it have? Um, also, in terms of uh, for children, um, think about um, a five-year-old putting on uh, uh, some glasses. How will that five-year-old know what's reality and what not? Um, so we, we need some kind of ethical commission, you know, to discuss these things and to b be aware of them, basically. Um, so I do believe the medium itself has a high potential um, to get into each household. But I also believe we have to be aware of the responsibility on a political side, on a production side, um, and think about how can the content actually, what the medium, uh, what's more important for the medium than the technical side, even though this might not make sense right now, but the content is what I or my brain in the end will perceive as reality. And we need to talk about that. Thank you very much, Julia. Yes, yes, it was a pleasure. <laughs>